0: My name is Angela Cox, and I am the Mindset Mentor. And this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now, my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest
1: today is Priyana Goel. Now, Priyana is the head of customer experience at ClearBank, and she's got 17 years experience in banking and technology. But she's also the co-founder of a boutique investment and advisory firm curating early stage plant-based businesses in India. So I'm really excited to hear more about that, as well as her career in financial services. She is just beaming. This morning, as I look at her over Zoom, she's got a real energy about her that's so special. So I can't wait to talk to you some more, Prina. Tell me, how is your morning going?
2: Oh, firstly, thank you, Angela, for having me. It's super exciting. Yeah, it's going really well, as well as a Monday morning can go, really. <laughs> but you know, I've had some good conversations, good meetings this morning, and I'm really excited to share my journey and, and talk to you about some exciting things.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear more because there's so many aspects just to your career alone, let alone to your life. So I think we're going to go through some exciting journeys today. And to start that off, really, I would love you to share with us what I call the pom-pom moments of your life. And some people struggle with this and other people don't. Let's see how you fare. And that is about you sharing your three proudest moments with us.
2: Yeah, so this, this is always an interesting one, right? It's like, which one do you pick? And do you think those are the proudest? Or, you know, did you just get lucky? I'm going to try to potentially combine some elements of my career, but also some of the personal things that I have been working on that I'm passionate about. And hopefully that will give you a good idea of, of what my life has all been about. So I think the first one, and I'll go back, way back, to A levels probably i grew up in india so indian education system is a little bit different than the british education system we have what we call as 12th grade which is probably similar to A levels here it's mm-hmm. at this level and there is a huge amount of focus on the grades that you get in your 12th standard and that basically sets the foundation of your education, your higher education and your career, really. So there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations from students to do well. Now, I was always a studious person. I was always pretty good in a CAD, but I was never really the person who thought I would be able to achieve what I achieved in my three levels. So I actually came first in A-levels, in the whole of the state of Maharashtra, which is uh, (laughs) probably close to 3 million students. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the very first time anybody from my school had come first. I got a total score of 98.5%, which was unheard of. And I think that was a really proud moment for me because I think that was the first time in my life I realized that you know, I can achieve something of that magnitude. You know, I knew I'm academically oriented. I knew I, I work hard, but I never thought that I could do something of that significance. So I think that instilled in me a lot of self-confidence, but it also helped me truly understand the value of hard work and what it can actually drive. And that actually led me to go to my engineering in one of the best universities in India and and the rest is history, really. (laughs) So I think that's probably one of the, if I think about back to my early life, I think that was one of the proudest moments. And then fast forward, uh, I don't think my life has been super exciting since then to probably now. (laughs) You know, I've had the privilege of living in three different continents and working in lots of exciting companies and doing lots of exciting things but i don't think anything happened to me that i would equate to the same level of magnitude and impact for me personally right maybe Mm -hmm. other people when they look at my cv or when they look at what i've done would say you know you've achieved a lot but for me it wasn't ever something that i said actually you know i can be a role model for somebody when i do something like that i think the a levels was something where I think I can inspire other students to do something with their lives. And for me, I'll be proud of something when I do something like that, where I can create a situation or I can impact people in a way where I can be a role model for them, or I can do something which will inspire them to do something differently. So fast forward to 2019 and 2020. And the second proudest moment is when I got 40 under 40. Electronic Transaction Association, which is a global association that recognizes people who are doing pioneer work in the field of payments. And I think for me, that was important for two reasons. One, which is very selfish and probably a petty reason, but I had this bucket list of things I wanted to do before I turned 40. And being on a 40 under 40 list was one of those. Go girl. (laughs) But I think the second reason I'm proud of that is because I think it validated all of the work I had been doing in the world of banking and payments lately, and it brought it all together. And I think the third moment, which actually now brings me to something which I'm very passionate about personally, and a journey that I have been on for quite some time, which relates to the investment firm that you talked about, which is my very own business, which is. Kuchik Investment firm that's going to help curate early stage startups who are trying to make a difference in the world of plant based products and services. Okay. I'm very passionate about, you know, what kind of legacy do I leave behind? And for me, I think my legacy needs to be beyond banking. It needs to be beyond payments. It needs to be something that truly makes a difference in this world. And I have been personally on a journey to go vegan. For the past kind of two and a half years, I've been slowly and steadily moving towards veganism. and finally living a vegan life. I've started to make changes in other aspects of my life where I'm replacing animal products with alternatives. So I don't buy leather anymore. I don't buy any of the animal products anymore. And for me, you know, it was important that I use that experience that I have acquired not just from my personal life but professional life and bring it together and so I decided to co-found this company with two of my very close partners where we want to promote and help businesses who are who are trying to make plant-based living mainstream because I'm a strong believer that that's the future of human race that's the way we, we manage climate crisis environmental crisis Obviously, there are ethical and health reasons, but for me, the biggest motivator was, how do I leave behind something that genuinely helps change the world? I know it sounds cliched, but that resonates with me as an individual and that motivates me. And it's, I love what I do at ClearBank and I love the world of payments and banking, but for me, it's important that I balance that with what am I doing outside of work.
1: And there's so many questions I have off the back of those now, because the thing that I'm really interested in, I mean, number one out of millions of people, not many people can say that. And you said that it instilled in you this sense of belief in yourself. But I'm interested to know about the flip side of it as well, because is there an opportunity where you never feel like you reach that pinnacle again? And how do you
2: deal with that? It's a really good question, and I think it's a very insightful question because you're absolutely right. I think that achievement has created in me this expectation that I'm always going to be the best at what I do, that I have to keep pushing myself and keep achieving bigger and better things. But, you know, I have been blessed to have some really good mentors and some very ruthlessly honest family members who who have helped me. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. I hold myself to very high standards. However, I think the more I go through journey of managing people, leading people and seeing what, what success actually means for different people, the more it has helped me temper down that ambition to some extent. I still am a very ambitious person. I'm still going to give my 200 percent and put that pressure on me. But I think life experiences have taught me to start putting things into perspective. I'm nowhere close to achieving the perfect balance, because if you ask my husband or if you ask my family members, they'll say, "You know, I need to slow down and and I need to not keep pushing." But I think I've come a long way. I've come a long way in learning from all of the various experiences to kind of temper that ambition. And I think things like Rich, which is the name of the boutique investment firm, I think helps me a little bit. Otherwise, I focus all of that energy and ambition in one thing, and that's when it becomes untenable. I think that's when it becomes difficult, not just for me, but for people around me. So if I I put all that energy and all that focus just in ClearBank, I think my team will not want to work with me, right? (laughs) I think think just for their own sanity and for my own sanity, I need to make sure that I take that energy and focus and I distribute it amongst multiple different things. And I think that helps me manage that desire to continue to excel, that desire to continue to push because, you know, it gives me distraction from just being so singularly focused on one thing. It's a a really good question, something I'm continuously working on. And I think success is always a double-edged sword, Mm. always a double-edged sword. And I think when you achieve it so early on in your life, it definitely can cause some permanent damage.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: And it's like you say, it's putting it into perspective. That's a really great word that you use because equally it's the expectations of others as well when you've reached those dizzy heights people expect wonderful things from you consistently and that can be really drawing on the energy and obviously you've gone on to wonderful things in your career and I'm sure outside of your career and the 40 under 40 is a huge achievement. So you talked about the bucket list, I'm interested to know what else is on the bucket list
2: in terms of what are you currently working towards? To be honest, 2020 has put a big Because I haven't really been able to do much with that, but I think there were three or four other things I want to achieve before I turn forty. I still have a little bit of time. I had wanted to always run a marathon, and I had started to train for a marathon, but then I got injured and I couldn't really finish my marathon. So I translated that into, and I got diagnosed with some health issues, so I couldn't really continue to train for a marathon. So I needed to change that bucket list item to something else. Mm-hmm. So I have now taken up fitness. So I'm, I'm one of those fitness junkies. I have a, a gym in my house. I work out very regularly. And so I'm on this mission to, you know, tone my body a certain way and be able to do certain types of exercises. So I've kind of translated that into reaching a certain level of fitness as one of my bucket list items. I think I'm, I'm going to be able to achieve it. I think I'm doing reasonably well on that. And I think the third one, which I'm not sure I'll be able to achieve, and that's okay. I think it's, it's important to have bucket lists, because, not because it motivates you to achieve certain things, but it also teaches you how you deal with not being able to achieve something. Mm-hmm. So I think the third item on my bucket list, I don't think I'm going to be able to achieve. But I think it has actually taught me to make peace with the fact that I won't be able to achieve it. And and that's been super helpful and super sobering as a leader for me. And that was I wanted to be a CEO of an organization. So I wanted to reach that ultimate pinnacle of what I would consider career success for me. I think 2020 being what it has been (laughs) is is going to be difficult. I think it also I, I think. You know, I've learned a lot along the way in trying to go after that goal. You know, it has made me a better leader. I think it has made me much more in tune with my strengths and my opportunities. So even if I don't achieve it, I think that's okay because overall, I've become a better leader in the process. These are probably the meaningful things that I have been working towards.
1: And when you talk about the COO, am I right in saying then that on your bucket list, it was to achieve that before the age of 40? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So it's not that you're not going to achieve it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I will. But it was, yeah. So I I try to create a bucket list for each decade of my life because that gives you a reasonable amount of time to work. So, yeah, this was my bucket list before I turned 40. I haven't actually thought about what it's going to look like beyond that because. I think we we evolve as, as people, and our priorities change, and our so, so. our uh, context changes. So once I turn forty, I'll have a think about what is it that I want to achieve before I
1: turn. It's a really interesting lesson, though, isn't it? Because one of the things when I'm working with clients that happens is they'll set a goal and a time frame, and I'm not a lover of smart goals as a thing because of the time frame aspect. Because actually, it can set up a feeling of failure if you haven't reached it by a certain date. And what I'm hearing is a woman that is absolutely capable of being the COO of an organisation and may not be that by the age of 40 because of constraints outside of your influence, but it is absolutely doable. So the idea of the patience, which is always my biggest lesson to learn, in terms of you might not get it within the timeframe that you wanted it, but it's still absolutely achievable.
2: Exactly. And, and, you know, I think I'll be lying if I say that doesn't bother me, right? It obviously, I mean, you probably have already picked up on the fact that I'm a very motivated and driven person, right? Uh-huh. And that comes with its own set of challenges. I'm also reasonably self-aware of what are my strengths and what are my, my opportunities. But I think this particular goal has definitely taught me a lot about the importance of patience. And the importance of enjoying and taking away what you learn in the process, right? I did go through a phase early on this year where I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to achieve my objective. I'm not going to be. And I think that happened, with, to be fair, with the marathon as well, right? I was actually gutted that I couldn't run a marathon. But then I think what I learned from that is actually that's all right because you can actually repurpose that goal into something else. And I think that happened before the CEO piece, because i was still hoping I'll be able to get to a CEO. But I think that taught me that was the first time in which I probably didn't achieve a goal I had put myself to, because there was something which was so outside of my control, right? So I think it taught me that lesson of, you know, you may not achieve the goal the way you had envisioned it to, but that doesn't mean you haven't achieved a goal, right? It all (laughs) might look slightly different. And I think that lesson, then I was able to apply to the third bucket list item. And actually, I refocused my energy this year. And I'm actually getting some really positive feedback at work because I can see a change in me. But I refocused my energy on, okay, I may not be able to achieve that, but what can I achieve? And I think that's when I actually also decided to take the leap of faith with the investment firm because I had always wanted to do it but didn't really... Have the courage to do it, didn't want to take the risk. But I think all of those things came together and said, actually, you know, your definition of success, your definition of achieving what your bucket list items can evolve. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you're achieving your successes in a slightly different way. Wow. And that's it. the biggest, I think, learning for me as an individual. And very insightful. And I think this journey started for me back when I achieved the first rank at A-levels because Mm -hmm. I put that expectation on me that I'm going to always be able to achieve what I put my mind to. And this element of things can be outside of your control didn't really seem real. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's been a very interesting journey and it's been very sobering, but also very empowering and liberating. Liberating is probably the key word because it's okay to actually change your goals and objectives. It's okay to redefine success. I'm still very happy with what you have achieved. Yeah, and it's that honest
1: conversation with yourself, isn't it, around am I making an excuse, which means that I'm not achieving my goal, or is it something that's outside of my circle of influence, circle of control, and therefore what I'm doing is the pivot, which is kind of the word of the week at the moment, isn't it? (laughs) And just demonstrates your maturity in terms of that journey that you're on, being able to look at where you are, what needs to change and alter in order for you to carry on being successful. So I don't think you probably realize the enormity of that lesson for everybody else listening as well, because it's something that so many people battle with and it's really kind of you Mm. to share it in the way that you have. And then you've said something else now that I want to go into, which is about having the courage to set up the investment and advisory firm. And that suggests that there was some fear there, which is another thing that hampers all of us that are human anyway. And so I'd really love you to try and pick apart how you found the courage.
2: Yeah, I think let me first talk about why did I need the courage, right? Uh, because, you know, somebody looking at my career and looking at me would say, why do you need, why, why, what are you afraid of, Right it's never easy to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, I know how to work in a corporate organization. I know how to work in a bank. I know that I can do that, right? Because that's what I have been trained to do. That's what I have multiple years of experience. Mm. However, I always feared whether I can translate that into something that I run on my own, a business that I run on my own. I also had massive concerns about whether anybody would want to listen to me and get my advice for their own businesses. It's very different when you are in a role and you have a team because there is an element of people listen to you because you're in the role. You know, Mm -hmm. earn the respect of your colleagues for them to listen to you for a sustainable period of time. But there is an element of, it gives you a kickstart that you're in a role and so you are able to actually make the changes and impact and make decisions Whereas when you are on your own and you're going into a business and saying, actually, I have something to offer to you, I had this fear of why would they want to listen to me? What is it that I bring to the table? And actually, the courage came from not being able to achieve my objective. I had to almost, to your point, pivot into, I may not be able to achieve a CEO role, the title, but actually I have all the skills, I have all the experience, and I have all the evidence of what I have delivered and achieved, that I, I need to find a way to translate that into something which I perceive as success, which I perceive as making a difference, yeah. I need that motivation to stay motivated as an individual. So the courage really came from not being able to, it, it it was a blessing in disguise for me, not getting that role, is it actually gave me the courage to say, actually, if I can't do that, How can I use everything I have learned along the way into something more than And also, obviously, as I said, I'm blessed to have a partner who is not only very supportive, but very honest, very brutal. Uh, (laughs) My my team says that about me. I keep telling them you haven't met my husband. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Levels of brutality.
2: (laughs) I think he's been instrumental in, you know, challenging me to think about things differently and challenge me to say, What's the worst that can happen? And provide me with that support system that I need to take a risk of that magnitude. I think lockdown has been great for everybody, right? I think we have all spent a lot of time really thinking about what we are all about. I think it has given us the the time to focus on our inner thoughts that we don't usually get when we are running and trying to go to work and catch a train and commuting and all of that. But with lockdown being at home, you, you you know all of that time which you were spending in the train, you now can spend on your own kind of reflecting on your own life, your choices, and, and and everything like that. So I think that coupled with you know not being able to achieve the previous version of success, and for those on who are listening, I'm using double quotes. <laughs> Yes, you know, definition of success with brutality and honesty from the partner. I think all of that gave me the courage to just take the leap of faith. And what's the worst that'll happen? Mm. The worst that'll happen is it won't succeed, but at least I would have given it a shot. And I think that's that's powerful in itself. Totally,
1: yeah. so it's sort of that feeling, the fear, and doing it anyway. You know, knowing that it's not going to be easy, but almost it feels
2: like in there as well it was what's the cost if I don't do it and yeah. what's my alternative what's my backup option right because I don't want to sit there and moan about something I couldn't achieve but actually focus that energy on something I can achieve mm,
1: right? absolutely
2: a really good way of maybe thinking about it is it was almost like goes back to I need to focus my energy on something that's what drives me And just because things didn't happen the way I envisioned doesn't mean I can't focus that energy on something equally meaningful or maybe even more meaningful. Absolutely.
1: And it's a really great area that you've chosen to focus your energy in as well, because it is about the sustainability of our future as the human race. And we can hear David Attenborough at the moment talking about this. You know, he's even set up an Instagram account to try and appeal to us all in terms of the small things that we can do to make a difference. And you said in the beginning piece that you've started to make changes to your life as a result of being in this arena of plant-based and what does that mean? So how has that impacted you and what have been the benefits, would you
2: say? You know, I started this journey back in 2018. So the very first step for me was to stop eating meat. I was still a pescatarian for a reasonable period of time, but I wanted to take it, I wanted it to stick. Yes. And I have learned along the way, uh, having done lean in my professional life, I have learned the importance of continuous improvement.
1: Absolutely.
2: There's small things slowly and steadily over a period of time. So I said, why not apply that to my own life? I want it to stick. And if I try to do it all at once, it's likely not going to stick. So I started back in 2018 and that was around the time I also started training for my marathon. So there was lots of profound things that are happening clearly in my life in 2018. (laughs) So I think the biggest change I saw, I think that was the biggest change I saw in terms of my physical health. Leaving meat actually made me a lot more energetic and less irritable, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it just made me feel so much lighter. I think people say it, but I actually genuinely felt it, right? I, I, I'm not saying it because that's what you read in the, in the paper, but that was the biggest change that happened to me. And it was beginning of this year, then I left seafood. And honestly, that didn't really change my life as much. It was just one of those choices I made. So actually leaving meat was a much bigger, mm-hmm. tangible change I experienced when I went on this journey. And going vegan, uh, I think for me, yeah. I just felt more happy about my choices in life so it helped me more mentally rather than physically so i think i've become more aware of the things i buy and where they come from i have more aware of what is sustainable what's not sustainable you know and i know it's a very divisive topic right there are people there are two schools of thought here and there's always a debate on whether this is real or it's not real right So I don't want to spend time talking about whether it's real or not. And I don't, I'm not here to try to convince anybody. I'm not one of those vegans who's going to convince people to become vegan. Because everybody needs to make their own choices in life and have to live with those choices. But for me, I think it just gave me that peace of mind that based on what I believe in, based on what I have read, and I've read a lot of literature on this, scientific papers and research and things like that, For me, it gives me peace of mind that the choices I am making in my life are making some difference to giving back to the community and hopefully sustaining human race for years.
1: So it's like a values piece as well as something that's great for your health and your well-being.
2: Exactly. It's a mental health thing then, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're less stressed about that. I think it benefits you in a more positive way because it takes away some of the other anxiety and other stress factors. You you feel like you're making a difference. You're doing something outside of what you do on a day-to-day basis. So there's definitely a physical benefit I saw back in 2018. And I think this year it has helped me just be more at peace with with my choices in life.
1: Oh, I love that. More at peace. And you're certainly glowing. So it's definitely working. You look amazing. And and I want to pick up on that word motivation because you've mentioned it a few times and it's clear that, you know, you get lots of motivation from the work that you do, but what else motivates you?
2: Oh, good question. What motivates me? I I think it goes back to this concept of making an impact. I don't want to do things just for the sake of doing things. So it's interesting, right? On one hand, I'm very motivated by results, but if that result is not going to drive an impact. I don't want to do it because why am I doing it? So for me, making an impact, and that impact can be in any, any way, right? It can be an impact to the business. It can be impact to my friends and family. It could be impact to nature, to, to you know, younger generations. So I've started to get involved now with a few not-for-profit organizations where I can give back. So I'm really motivated by adding value. You know, there is an old saying, I want to earn my keep. I am oh. not... I really want to earn my keep. I don't want to cruise through life because I got lucky to be somewhere at some point. It's great to get that luck. It's great to be in that kind of a position, but I get motivated by really making a difference, really using what has been given to me, what I've been blessed with to make a difference in a positive way. I just love that
1: phrase, earn my keep, because from somebody who has had that level of individual success you know, at an early age from the A-level success, to not be self-orientated in terms of motivation and success and making an impact and the fact that you are so outward-facing and you're all about making a difference is actually very unusual. So it's just a joy to hear you say that and to use that phrase, which I've never heard before, I think that's lovely and it's just testament to you know who you are and how you show up in the world and it leads me on to another thought process which is around vulnerability Mm -hmm. and I ask everybody who comes on the podcast about vulnerability and what it means to them and everybody gives me a different answer which I love so what does that word mean for you?
2: I think vulnerability to me means being authentic You know, anybody who has ever known me will tell me I'm very authentic. I can't put a facade around who I am. So if I'm feeling upset, I will be very open and honest about it. If I'm feeling, you know, angry, I'll be very open and honest about it. If I'm feeling motivated, I'll be. So for me, vulnerability means being okay to share that Mm. who you are as an individual with the whole wide world. Now, that can be misconstrued as, you know, you are emotionless or because depending on what side of you, you are showing, right? So I am, I'm a bit of a confused personality in that respect, because I'm quite results oriented. I'm very direct. I'm very open. I'm very honest, but I'm also very authentic in how I'm feeling, right? So people get a little bit confused sometimes where they're like, okay, so you're very direct. You you know what you want, but you're also very authentic. So it's, it takes a while for people to really figure me out so to say but I think that's the only way to actually really form strong bonds and form strong relationships with people when you are really true to who you are you just say the way it is you do what needs to be done it may take a little bit of time to get used to each and every other person's style and way of operating. but for me vulnerability is being true to who you are Mm -hmm. and showing the the way it is.
1: And actually takes a lot of bravery in the environment that you are used to working in, because my experience of working in corporate organizations and consulting organizations is there isn't, or certainly wasn't, a lot of space for vulnerability. So for you to be showing your authentic self before the age of 40 in a senior leadership position in that type of environment shows the guts that you have, because it does take guts.
2: It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. I receive feedback. (laughs) It's a gift, Priyana. It's a gift. (laughs) I have been told I am too ambitious. I have been told I'm too correct. I have been told, I've been told a lot of things. And, you know, I've taken that advice. I have toned it down where I can. I have incorporated feedback where I can. But at the same time, you know, if I can't be the person I am at work, I can't be successful because the reason I'm successful is because of who I am. So it takes a lot of energy. It's not easy at all. But I'm on this mission to change that view of people. Like you have, you have to be who you are, right? And if you can't be, if, you are, if you're going to behave like robots, then you might as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, get rid of the robots. I say that every time. I love it. Now, we're going to play a game now. And the game is my little girl's favourite game. It's called the five-second game rule. And I know you've listened, so you know what to expect. You need to give me three answers to a question in just five seconds. Okay. So the pressure is on, but you are one in three million, so you are going to rock it, (laughs) i just know. (laughs) I love that. You should have a badge with that on. (laughs) So... In the five-second game rule, can you give me three things that you do to make you feel happy?
2: Exercise, spend time with my dogs, work.
1: Work, 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 work. I love work too. There's nothing
2: wrong with that. Tell me, what are your dogs called? My favorite topic. Oh, look at hand on heart
1: there. Hand on heart. Um,
2: so I have two dogs. I have an 11-year-old cockapoo and he's called Sir Barksalot Picasso. And I have a two year old standard poodle, and he's called Lord Bagmore Dolly.
1: Oh, wow. Those are great (laughs) names. And lots of grooming in your household. For sure, every six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So you love your dogs. I know that about you. And you like to go for long walks and things with them, don't you?
2: Yeah, I love going out for walks with them. You know, as I said, exercise. So combining hiking with being with, with my dogs, my happy place. I mean, my happy place is being in the middle of nowhere, hilly area, out and about, just, just spending time with nature. I, yeah. I, I love spending time with nature. And I actually, I do, I do love working. I love what yeah. I do and there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, I feel very passionate about it. And I think for me, that's why it goes back to the point I made. I have to add value. I have to make an impact, which means I'll only work on things which allow me to do that. I enjoy doing it, so it becomes something I enjoy doing and I'm passionate about. So it's it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy, if if that makes sense. And when
1: you're doing things that you love, it doesn't feel like work anyway. And given that you've got two jobs, it's a good job really that work is on your list because it must take up a lot of your time. (laughs) but quickly tell me about your exercise then so it was the marathon running and then you said you've got this gym at home so what's your chosen method of exercise what do you love
2: oh i love strength training so weights Mm. i love that because you can see progression you can see that you're improving i still go out for runs i can't run long distance so i do short distance running and yeah so mix and I, i i love to just mix it up but i love strength training so do a lot of that.
1: No, it's good strength training. And like you say, that progression of putting in the weights up every month is a really good sign of success, isn't it? Which brings us to the killer question. And I just can't wait to hear what you're going to say about this, because everybody has answered it differently. And it shows for me that success is a very individual thing. But for you, what do you think is the absolute secret to success?
2: I think the absolute secret to success is making peace with who you are. I think if you can do that, you've achieved success in life. Everything I spoke about, I think it's all about trying to figure out who I am and mm. making peace with it, right? And I think anybody and everybody who I have met in life who is truly successful is the person who has made peace with who they are and what they are doing and why they exist. For me, that's that's the absolute secret
1: that's gorgeous and so blessed that you have found that before the age of 40 because there are people still trying to figure that out you know well into their 60s and 70s so how wonderful that you know you're able to live the rest of your life with that inner peace knowing that there's still lots to learn I'm sure but you figured that out it's brilliant
2: yeah and I think it doesn't mean that I don't I've achieved it 100%, right? There are things that still bother me. There are Mm -hmm. things that I still allow myself to get distracted by and upset by, but that's the journey that I have to now go on. So the first 40 years were all about getting to that realization and the next, hopefully 40 years would be all about how do I make that a reality, right? Because you're said than done. Now, I, I, at least I have that realization, but can I live it day in and day out? Can I actually incorporate it in everything I do? It's going to take some time. It, it's mm. going to take that muscle memory. It's going to take that getting used to and making it part of how I operate. And I think that's going to take some time.
1: Time and effort, isn't it? Because it's that conscious effort every day to keep showing up as that version and to expect the next layer of the onion (laughs) because, you know, stuff continues to come up no matter how much you know about yourself.
2: Exactly. There are, you know, the smallest of things can trigger or you forget what true definition of success is for you as an individual, right? Because, you know, we have been brainwashed. yeah, Conditioned, Yeah. yeah. To think that success means money and title. It <laughs> yeah. Plus for me as well, the very fact that I had becoming a CEO of an organization before turning 40 as a bucket list item, clearly I was brainwashed into believing that that's what success is, mm-hmm. right? And every now and then I'm going to still go back into that mode of saying, oh, I haven't really achieved success because I haven't done this and that. But it's very important for me, at least, I think for my own sanity is to keep reminding myself what is definition of success for me and look at things from that perspective because it's going to get very easy to just mm. go back into that mode of operation which is really not going to make me successful and certainly not happy. Oh, you know we have
1: had one conversation before this podcast and it was a relatively short conversation. I actually feel like I've known you forever already I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you and I wish we could carry on because you're so insightful and just all of the nuggets that you've given today without even realizing that you're giving them are going to help so many people. So I am not surprised that you are one in 3 million because I think you're one in 100 million. You're a wonderful human. And thank you for your time today and for being so honest and open. It's just been a pleasure.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Angela. I'm, I'm glad uh, I, I could share my story. And, you know, I also believe that sharing the story reinforces it more for you as well. So you start believing it a lot more as well. Mm. So I think I'm taking away from this conversation a lot as well. So thank you. Really appreciate it. And maybe writing a book then, if that's
1: the case. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the bucket list right before now. 50. <laughs> well, Thanks a million. Have yourself a wonderful day. And I can't wait until we speak again at some point. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.